Nothing like a little Kevin Costner in the morning to wake us up, inspire us about heaven. Come on. How many of you guys have seen Feel the Dreams? Please tell me you've Okay, good. You guys that haven't, you guys, you're missing out on one of the top five favorite movies of all time in, with Feel the Dreams. The next scene after that one, as that music's playing, I'm tearing up because the next scene right after that is Kevin Costner looking to his dad. He's going, hey, dad, want to have a catch? And his dad says, I love that son. So that scene, I mean, it just gets me every time. I'm bawling like crazy. My kids, from that point on, ever since they've seen me see that movie, they always come up, hey, dad, you want to have a catch? They're just rubbing it in that I'm bawling over it. You dumb Iowa people think that heaven's in Iowa. It's not. Gosh, you think we're going to do a we got spirit. Yes, we do in here. Let me just tell you right now, we're talking about heaven, and it's not in Iowa, it's not a wheat field, and it's not a baseball diamond in a wheat field. We know that. There's a lot we don't know, but we know that much, okay? We're going to talk, we're talking about heaven today. It's part of what Becky said is our, is our last of our, of our talks from the Endgame series. We, are, we have been walking through Revelation. If you have not listened to the talks or if this is your first time here, um, go online and go to our ascentcc.org website and, and, uh, and, then, and then look up, um, look up our, our sermons and listen to those talks on Revelation. Our goal, Jim and my goal when we were doing this series was that we wanted to just shed some light on a book and on a, that, that was written that was, is so key for us as we understand what God has in store for us next. As he, as he looks ahead and says, this is, the, the, this is all of what I've been talking about all the way now to this point, to, to this point of looking at eternity. That's, that's what we're looking at with Revelation. And we want to shed some light on it and make it easier for us all to read it. We recognize that Revelation was, is, is there's filled, filled with mystery. There's a lot of imagery in Revelation. There's people that have established their own theology based on the imagery of Revelation. You'll get things in the mail that says, go here and we'll talk about the fiery, the fiery earth and missiles and helicopters. Some people look at it that way. We look at it and we go, that, that imagery, all the stuff. When, Paul, when, 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 uh, when John was on the island of Patmos at the end of his life and, he's, and Jesus appears to him and he writes down a lot of the images and the things that he saw, a lot of that ultimately it represents different things that leads us to really this, this truth of God and his redeeming work in our life and ultimately what happens when we die and the, and the, and the invitation to heaven. That's what Revelation is about. And so some of you might read it and you just go, okay, now I'm going to live my life looking for the lion with the five wings. And when I see that, then the rapture's coming. Some of you might read it that way. We're looking at it a little bit differently. We think all of that imagery all leads towards just helping us to understand something that's really hard to understand. Eternity with God. And so we're going to be looking at that today. Looking a little bit more at, at heaven. Let's pray together and we'll dig into this a little more. Father, we, we thank you for this chance this morning to spend time in your word. We thank you for the chance to draw closer to you today. We thank you for the chance to, to learn more about a, a subject that I think many of us just kind of have put to the side and said, we don't get it. We pray, Lord, that you would shed some light on it and help us to, to get, to take steps closer to your truth 
and ultimately take steps closer to you. We pray that that would happen this morning. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, so let's, let's read through a little bit. Um, Becky already read through some of it. Revelation has lots of different stuff around what's coming up next. And, and, uh, and, and I want to read a little bit from chapter 19 and then from chapter 21 of Revelation. I'm going to put my glasses on because it always makes me feel smarter. Um, then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the sound of many waters and like the sound of mighty thunder peals, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready to her. It has been granted to be clothed with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. We jump ahead to 21, chapter 21. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more, for the first things have passed away. And then the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I'm making all things new. So, th- you guys, this is a message of hope. Anytime we talk about heaven, it's a message of hope. But the hard thing of talking about heaven is that it's, none of us have seen it. And so none, and none of us have heard about it, so it's hard for us to, to even grab hold of what it is. It's hard for me. I mean, I, I worked really hard on this, on this subject and read a lot around it. And you just go, man, how do, you, how do we bring together something that is so hard to explain? Paul even said this in Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians. He says, what no eye has seen... Nor, nor ear heard, nor the human heart conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. He's going, no eye has seen it, and no ear has heard it, and this is the biggest part, no heart has even conceived it. No, how, no matter how much we think about what heaven might be like, no heart's even conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Man, that... That makes it hard to talk about it. If we haven't even conceived what it looks like, we're we're left kind of going, okay, then then what really is heaven? And where is heaven? And what happens in heaven? And, And so we're left with all kinds of questions around it, questions that can lead us away from even thinking about it. All we tend to really have around heaven is the visions that we have in our head that in a lot of ways Hollywood has planted. You watch movies and you see what they've done in Hollywood with heaven stuff and you've got it in your head and you know that's not the right answer. You know that's not it. But you just go, but for some reason I can't get that out of my head. For some of you that are older, uh, George Burns is in your head and that's, that's God. And you just go, that's heaven and God. And then some of you that are a little younger think of Morgan Freeman. And you go, that's God, Morgan Freeman. 
And you just go, and I don't even know what a present, what's the one that's recent on, on I don't even know. But you got, you, you, you have those images and you go, that's not going to be heaven, I don't think. But that's certainly what's for some reason stuck right there. For me, even more than Field of Dreams and Kevin Costner, the thing, the image that's stuck in my head that I can't get out of, some of you will not recognize this at all, and some of you will recognize it right from the music that's happening when you first hear it. This is what's stuck in my head when I think about heaven. Swayze in the morning. Come on, it's even better than Kevin Costner. Oh, I can't get that out of my head. Later on in this, the scene is him going up in an elevator to those rainbow people. And you go, that's heaven? Is that what heaven's going to be? You know, we joke about it, but the reality is we, we, because we don't have that, that real vision of what heaven is, other than what has been planted in our heads, we, we take it and we, we set it aside. We just go, that's something that I don't get. And we just live our lives. And every once in a while, we'll go back to it. And we'll just go, all right, you know, I'm supposed to be thinking, I used to think a little bit about heaven. But to me, to be dead honest with you, heaven sounds boring. You know, you might say that. And then you feel like, oh, God's going to strike me down now for even saying it. But you worry and you think, is heaven going to be boring? God's got a cloud for me. And I'm going to be listening to heart music for the next million years. And I'm going to be in a worship service for a million years straight. I can't go an hour with looking at my phone three times in the service here. Heaven, I'm not going to have a phone. That's bad right there just saying that. And you just go, what am I going to do? You just look at it and you go, it's you start to actually conclude, and this is so, so weird about us. We start to conclude, I like this place better. I just, can, I, can I just stay here for as long as I possibly can? There's nothing better than the beauty of the ocean and, and the love of my grandkids and sitting down with a great beer and watching March Madness and watching the Zags beat Ohio State. There's nothing better than that. I mean, in heaven, they'll all tie. What kind of, what kind of competition is that going to be? A perfectly powdered run. Watching dumb television. There's not going to be television in heaven. No more Game of Thrones for you guys. It's done. That seems done anyway. It's like four years till it comes back. A long guitar riff from an old Guns N' Roses song. <laughs> That's just me. This, the sound of a glockenspiel. How's that? There you go. I'm, I don't even know what a glockenspiel sounds like, but I like saying it. When you go to a play and you see this, you know, you see Les Mis or something on Broadway and you're just going, oh, I love what's here on this earth. 
And, and heaven sounds like clouds. And so, so what we do is we conclude this is better. And that's just this thing that I, that I take and I set aside and it's just sitting over there and, and, and I'll address it when I need to. When I'm, when I'm in the hospital on my last breath, that's when I'll address that. But until then, it's kind of like the stepchild of my faith. Is there the, 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 it's kind of like the, the ooh of my faith. And you just go, what's missing? Why, why are we concluding that? What happens when we conclude that is over time you forget where you've put it. Over time you start thinking, where, I'm not thinking about heaven anymore at all. Over time, you just kind of just live in your life today. And then here's what happens. You hear words like Jesus is our Savior that has saved us from our sin. And you wonder, what has he saved us to? In John 3, 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have what? Will have eternal life. For God so loved you and me that he's going to give us eternal life through his son. But for us, it doesn't mean anything if eternal life is, is, is all this kind of nothing, extra thing that I just don't know anything about and don't think about. And when you don't think about it that way, then you also don't think about sharing your faith with anybody else. Because why would I share it with my neighbor if what I'm sharing for them is something that I'm almost embarrassed of? Why would I share it to them if what I'm sharing is something that I don't get and I don't even think about? So why would I share it? Why would you give? Why would you give of your time and your talents and your, and your money and anything else for, this, for God's kingdom? Why would you do it if in the end it, it, you're not even thinking about what might happen with it? Oh, why not just hoard it and live for today? And just enjoy today as much as we can and, and forget about that stuff. Why not do that? In Corinthians, it says this. It says, if there's no resurrection or no heaven, there's no, there, there's no living Christ. And face it, if there's no resurrection for Christ, everything we've told you is smoke and mirrors and everything you've staked your life on is smoke and mirrors. Not only that, but we would be guilty of telling a string of barefaced lies about God. All these affidavits we pass on to you verifying that God raised up Christ, sheer fabrications, if there's no resurrection. If corpses can't be raised to heaven, then Christ wasn't because he was indeed dead. And if Christ weren't raised, then all of your doing is wandering around the dark as lost as ever. It's even worse for those who died hoping in Christ in resurrection because they're already in their graves. Get this, you guys. If all we get out of Christ is a little inspiration for a few short years... We're a pretty sorry lot. If all we get out of Christ is a little inspiration for a few short years, we're a sorry lot. If that's all we got. And we're not thinking about anything in the future. We're not thinking about what he's ultimately saved us for, from and saved us to. And it's just inspiration for a couple of years. And we can let it go. This hit, this hit really hard in the heart of me kind of preparing for this because... Um, I had, a, I had a student in our ministry uh, from years ago that was, I probably invested more into him than any other student in the 21 years that I've done college ministry. This guy I have, I, I had spent hours in my office with. 
He's someone that I had spent, he was on my staff for a couple of years. He's someone that we have cried together, someone that I walked through a lot of his struggle together, someone that, that, that we, we just, we saw both of us were just blue collar Christians that are walking through struggles of doubt and faith and, and we're walking with him in it. And a couple of, and, and, I, and I lost track of him for a couple of years and a few weeks ago in the heart of preparing for this, he posts on his face, on Facebook that he's no longer a Christian. And he says, and don't try to talk me out of it. And then he says this. He says, though I am an agnostic and believe in something else out there, I can truly say I don't fear death, even if it potentially means the true end for me. I loved, I'd love to be buried in the earth to decay, and I don't fear it. It's insanely freeing. Instead of living in fear and looking forward to something to the end to be better, life now is better, good or bad. I'd love to be buried in the earth to decay, and I don't fear it. I didn't even come go, get into the issues of judgment and the possibilities of hell. And you know, it, if you haven't heard Jim's talk on judgment from a couple of weeks ago in the heart of this Revelation series, just go back and listen to that one. If you're going to listen to one, listen to that one. I think it's the best talk I've heard Jim give in the time that we've been here in a sense. And it so unpacks judgment in such a, such a fantastic way as we see the love of God in the heart of it. So go back and listen to that. But when I, when I read that, I couldn't shake it. I'm with my kids and we're playing cards and they're just going, Dad, what's going on? And I just, I couldn't, I couldn't shake it. I sat there and thought about all those conversations. I thought about how real this is and how, how much he's just going, you know what? I got the fringe benefit of being a Christian. I got, the, I got the, the, the community, the connection and community. I got to go see the world on mission trips. But in the end, why not just decay in the ground? I, I, I went over in my head, what, what did I not tell him? What, what, where, where did I, in all those years, what did I not say? And I know I've got to let that go. And I know that's between the Lord and him. I know that. But I did think about how little we talk about what's next. How little we talk about the reward. When, it, when in Hebrews, it says Moses uh, chose to be mistreated along with the people of God than to, than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time because he was looking ahead to his reward. How little we talk about that reward. When Paul's talking about running the race marked out before us and running with perseverance and running as if to win the prize, how little we talk about winning the prize and what that looks like. How little we talk about what's next. And so we get the fringe benefit now and then we just kind of, when, when the fringe benefit isn't there as much anymore and the community isn't there as much anymore and, and all the, the pats on the backs for the service and the job you're doing isn't there anymore, you just walk away from it because where did I put that little piece about heaven? It's someplace around here. And we just kind of forget about it. What I want to do this morning is just, I want to shed just a little bit of light, which is really hard to do because Paul, like Paul says, it's hard, it's hard to even conceive what heaven is like. I wanted to look at, when you look at scripture across, across all of scripture, you start to see some consistencies around God and his ultimate plan for us. And I want to just give a, shed a little bit of light on that for us all to maybe get a little bit better grasp on what we might be receiving when, when, we, when you get to that point where you get to see Jesus face to face. I want to think, what, 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 let's look at that a little bit more and, and maybe we can build a little bit more of an anticipation 
than what we might currently have. So, so it's just three very simple observations. The first one is this. When I was doing all this study and stuff about heaven, one of the things that I found was that if you go back to, and not from Revelation, but if you go back to the very beginning to Genesis, to Genesis chapter 1, it says, it says right at the beginning, in the beginning God created what? In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And when you think about that, I started thinking through that. I'm going, how much fun did God have creating this earth? How much fun did God have creating the mountains and creating the waters and creating the, 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 the stars in the sky? How much fun did God have creating colors? I'm not talking about just greens and yellows and reds and blues, but the shades of green. When you go up into the mountains in the fall here in Colorado, you're not just looking at just green. You look at the shades and how much fun did God have doing all of that and all of those colors. And, and some of you might think, well, that happened over millions of years. And some of you think it might have happened in six days or seven days. Whatever, whatever spectrum you're on when it comes to God's creation, how much fun did God have creating it? How much fun did he have creating his human beings in his own image? How much fun did he have creating us to, to have, a, have passion how much fun did he have creating us with humor and a sense of humor? And how much fun he has today watching us laugh? How much fun did he have creating us with that sense of adventure and that risk and the thrill and the, and the, the, the cl mountain climbing and going down a double black diamond? And How much fun did he have creating us with the ability to shoot a free throw and win a basketball game? How much fun did he have creating us to step on a, on a, on a piano and make music that will make people cry? How much fun did God have doing that? How much fun did he have creating us to be in relationship and that we would, we would develop friendships and we'd discover love. Marriage is God's idea. He said, for this reason, a man should leave his mother and father and join to his wife and the two shall become one. So how much fun does God have seeing that happen? How much fun does he have creating us in a way that we actually physically love physically being with each other? I mean... God had to have a blast creating this earth for us. And you guys, this earth is a dime on the corner of the stage to eternity that we will have with him, which would be the, the rest of this 120,000 square foot warehouse or far beyond that. It's a dime. It's a sliver of time. Come to where do we have for eternity? And how insane is it that I would conclude that God used up all his creative juices on that dime and he left the rest to, oh gosh, I'm tired. I'm tired and I don't have anything else. Gosh, I did so much down there for earth for those guys that I don't got anything else left. So I guess I'll use the clouds. Let's just give them the clouds. And, and, and they already enjoyed all that music. Let's give them a harp in the clouds. And, 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 and we don't want them to talk to each other. Let's give them some cherubums. Whatever those are. That's what we picture heaven to be. Something less than what we have here. We picture heaven to be something, something that's like, like, like well, that, that'll be okay. Slightly boring. Not sure what we would do. If God spent that much time on a dime, 
how much more time would he have spent for our life for eternity with him? What we know is that the joy that we experience here on this earth will be far exceeded in heaven. What we know is that the laughter that we'll have on this earth will be far exceeded in heaven. What we know that the, 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 the beauty that we see on this earth will be far greater in heaven. What we know is that the, the adventure and the thrill and the, and, the, and the excitement of what we have here on earth would be far greater in heaven. We cannot conclude that that place will be less than this place. All of what God does in all of his word is prepare us for this eternity of this life with him. Now, in that, we still have questions. We have questions around simple things that are right in front of us. We have questions around relationships and what that's going to be like. I have a question around golf and is everyone going to shoot an 18, you know, with pulling one on every hole? That won't be as fun. And I still want to beat the guys that I beat now at golf. And if I go to heaven and Ross starts beating me at golf, I'm going to be really disappointed with God. So, so there will be questions like that that we'll still have. Some, I, I went through and, and, and I, I wanted to list some of the possibilities in heaven that we have. Okay, there's some possibilities that comes from Scripture. So it's not just my opinion. It's from Scripture that you can see and you go, okay, I can see that that's a possibility that that would happen. Okay, so I made this little, bit of, this little list. We will sport a new and improved physical body in heaven. Um, there's, there's Scripture that would, that would support that. And also just looking at Jesus. When Jesus died and rose, when he rose, it was his physical body. He said, look, you can put your hands right in the holes in my hands. And the holes in my, in, on my side. Jesus body, it was Jesus' body that was risen. It wasn't just this, this image or this thought or this spirit being. It was his actual body. And, and scripture even tells us that we're going to receive our physical bodies. Now we don't know what the physical body will receive. And maybe all of us will have six packs and that might be part of it. But, we're, but, we're, but we're, we believe there's going to be a physical body in heaven that you'll have. It's, we're not just about this thought in the distance. Okay, some other ones. We will be able to communicate with each other. We'll be able to touch and be touched. We'll be able to eat and drink food. We'll retain our memory. We'll be able to recognize loved ones. All of those, you can find some scripture to help support that. Those are some of the possibilities of what would happen in heaven. That we might, I might be able to see my grandpa. I might be able to actually talk to him. That he died of Alzheimer's and we lost the last five years of his life to Alzheimer's and, and we'll be able to talk to him. Those are things that can be supported as possibilities in heaven, recognizing that there's, we, our hearts haven't even conceived what's possible for what's going to happen in heaven. The last one, my dog Meryl will be there to see me. My dog Meryl, it's, it's, it's my little beagle that we had to put to sleep. A big fat, fat beagle that, that, that couldn't bark because someone took his barker out. And, you know, is he going to be in heaven? Am I going to come up and go, hey, Meryl, and will Meryl be able to talk again, you know, and bark at me? I couldn't find a passage for that. I couldn't. But here's what we do know. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Lord above. That's scripture. And if God is creating this place for us and every good and perfect gift is from the Lord, is it possible that maybe even a dog might be there? Hollywood's, Hollywood says, of course, all dogs go to heaven. <laughs> but we just know that what we had here and the connection we had here with wh whoever and whatever 
is going to be even greater in heaven. As I studied this, I, I, was just, I was caught by the word prepared. That no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart can't conceive what God has prepared for us. He's preparing this way. In John 14, he says, he says my, my father has a house that has many rooms and I'm going to prepare a room for you. When we, well, the passage we read today, we've got a, a, wet, a supper, a wedding banquet, and you're not on the kids' table in the corner. You're right there in this wedding banquet, and you have a place and an invitation for you right there. It just caught me about the love of God, that he would take his son and sacrifice his son for us to have eternal life, and then on top of it would go to prepare the place for us. I think about Jackie preparing our house when our kids come back from college and preparing the rooms and just getting it all ready and just think, God, what is he doing to prepare that place for us? Man, that is a message of hope. Another thing I, I, I realized, listen to what we said, we read this earlier. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I look at that and you just go, we kind of think about, um, about uh, Russell Crowe and Gladiator walking through the weeds and just kind of feeling them, you know, and just going, this is what heaven's going to be like on my own, feeling the weeds. And Jesus is going, no, man, we want, it's going to be community. It's going to be connection. I want you to be in community with each other. It's going to be the city. And we go, no, we don't want the city. The city is where corruption happens and crime happens and dog eat dog and we're climbing the corporate ladder. That's the city. But we don't recognize, no, this, this is the city that has been restored and been redeemed. It's a city restored and redeemed that is coming to this earth. And he says, he says it's the new Jerusalem and you just go, Jerusalem, that's where, that's where David committed adultery. That's where Jesus was crucified. That's where Jesus looked out over the, over the, over the city and said, oh, Jerusalem, I want to gather you like chicks, like a hen gathers her chicks. It's that city. It's a city restored and a city redeemed. In the next chapter, it says that heaven was placed on the foundation of the 24, the 12 tribes of Israel in the Old Testament, and the 12 disciples in the New Testament. Those 12 tribes of Israel, that's, it's Abraham, and then Isaac, and then Jacob, and then Jacob had 12 sons. And so the, the Jewish faith and Jewish religion, is it, the, the chosen people were based off of those, the, the 12 tribes of Israel. And you'd look at that and you go, oh, heaven's based on the saints, He's going, man, no, these guys, if you were living back there, you would know, you would know that the, those guys, the 12 tribes, man, they were, they were messed up in lots of different ways. Shoot, they threw one of their brothers into a cistern and hoped that he would just die in there. They were messed up, but they were restored and they were redeemed. And heaven's put on that foundation. And the 12, the 12 disciples, betrayer, denier, doubting like crazy, fighting over who is best, arrogant at times, questioning all the time. And heaven's put on that foundation because we've been restored and we've been redeemed. And it tells us that when we go, it's not going up to the pearly gates and seeing Peter up there and giving him our resume and saying, is this good enough? But it's going, no, no, God's already started this, restored and redeemed in you. And we have an invitation for you. We know that that's part of the message of hope of heaven. 
And the third one that I noticed, the third one is what we read at the end where it says, he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away and the one who is seated on the throne says, see, I'm making all things new. No more pain. No more suffering. No more you're struggling just in your own, with Alzheimer's, no more forgetfulness. No more arthritis. No more, your, your, your heart breaks for the sex trafficking in this world. No more. You look at the things that someone has done to you and the hurt you feel. No more. The things you have done and you grieve and you feel guilty over. No more. The pain that you feel, the loss, no more. Because it's a new creation. See, God has prepared a place for us with this massive amount of, of creativity that comes with it. We've been restored and redeemed, and there'll be no more pain. And then we just ask the question, then so what do we gotta do? How do we how do we get there? Well, when Jesus said, I, my father has many rooms, and he said, he's, I'm going to prepare a place, Thomas, of all people, of course, it was Thomas that said, I, hey, how do, how do we get there? I want to get there. And Jesus says, here's how you get there. He says, I am the way. I'm the way. Follow me. Make your life follow me. Make your decisions follow me because I'm the way. He says, I am the truth. Believe it. Believe that I am the truth, that you will be restored and redeemed because of what I have already done for you. Believe it. I am the truth. And he says, and I am life. Make your life look like mine. I am life. Love like I love. Serve like I serve. Look out for the people that, are, that don't have as much. Love like I love. Love like I love. I am life. And that's where you're going to find life. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me because I'm the only one that can restore and redeem you because of what I've done. So follow me. I'm sending you an invitation. I'm giving you an invitation. Will you accept it? Will you come and sit at the table with me? I have eternity in store for you. And it'll be way better than what you have right now. And in the meantime, while we are still on this earth, we still got work to do. He's, he's saying, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so it's starting now. Transformation starts now sanctification, growing more and more into my likeness, starts now. 
Letting other people know of this unbelievable news starts now. It starts now and it keeps right on going as we, as we, as we move not to the end, but to the next beginning of a lifetime for eternity with a God that has prepared the way for us. Father, I pray that you would help each one of us to, to recognize, um, recognize the fact that, that this has been your plan all along and that you're not someone to end your plan with something flat, but that, you would end, that your plan would, would, would come to one place that would be beyond our imagination, beyond what we can comprehend. God, I pray that you would help each one of us to take steps closer to understanding the, the beauty and the joy of what you are offering to us for eternity. And I pray that each one of us would respond to that, not only with what a way we live our life today, but the way we would share that with other people in living our life today. I pray that each one of us would take that step that would be closer to you and ultimately closer to an eternity with you. It is in your name we pray. Amen. What we're going to do to finish this morning is we're going to spend some time taking communion. He set, the, he set the table for us. He set it for us and he said, look, here's, where, here's what I have right here, the invitation to come and, and, and be with me. And he said, and, and right before he died, because we know that it's happening now and forevermore, he, he looked at every person and he said, look, I, my, this is going to be my body broken for you. And this is going to be my blood shed for you through every single time that you take this bread and you drink this cup. You're going to remember what I've done for you so that you could be invited to this party. So you could be invited to this supper. You can be invited to this future. And you could be invited to that right now as you take, we're going to have stations all around here and you're going to, you get up and you just rip a piece of bread off and you dip it into the juice. You can take that back to your seat or you can eat it right there. And you can, in that moment, you can just go, yes, this invitation is for me too. You guys, in all the years of doing college ministry, I can't tell you how many people made a commitment to Jesus during the time that we would take communion because the, the director in the ministry when I, when I was a student would say every single time that it, at this moment, in this moment, as you're sitting there or standing there waiting to take that bread, in this moment, you can accept the invitation. In this moment, you can say yes your sacrifice was for me too. In this moment, you can say, yes, the love that you have for me, I want that. I don't want to accept decay in the ground. I want something far greater than decay in the ground. When you take this, that's the love he has for us. And that's what he's offering to every single one of us. So together today, let's take communion. And for you, if it's the very first time, accept the invitation. It's for you. Let's take communion together.